Hello and welcome into the Section 109 podcast. Coming to you live with Matthew. This is two days in a row we've recorded, Matthew. I love this. We should do this more often. Yeah. Yesterday was a lot uh, more interesting because we had players on. If you if you have not heard this episode, if you're list or not heard the episode with players, which was Polly and Caroline, um, stop this episode and go listen to that one because it is sure to be a lot better than this one. That's the first thing. Correct. Second thing, Matthew, what are we doing today? We are doing a deep dive on the men's match versus Syracuse uh, from July 2nd. It's the first time we're going to do a, a full-scale deep dive on a men's match, basically ever. Yeah, so it's an interesting format. If, if you like it, we would love to know. Um, but yeah, let's start this out with the uh, caveat. There are spoilers, and they're coming right now. Uh, this game finished 2-1 for Chattanooga Football Club. It was a win. But let's kind of look at how it happened, how we're feeling about it. Um, yeah, and let's just go straight from the top with the Syracuse starters. So starting in goal for Syracuse was Macklin Robinson, and then uh, they will play the offset in this game, which is something we've talked about a bit on this podcast in the past. Um, if you want to know how the offset is played exactly, Matthew will give a little bit of an update here or a little bit of a primer, but really you should go back and listen to some of the preview pods um, if you really want to know how the offset was played because we talked about kind of how we played last year and how we expected to play this year and something that Peter Fuller did quite a bit last year, and Peter Fuller is the coach now for the Syracuse Pulse, was play the offset. And the offset is not a normal 4-3-3. Uh, it is a big tweak on that. And uh, they played that this game against us. And I think, uh, spoiler alert again, it was a lot more effective than their plan, plan last time. But they started with Macklin Robinson in goal, uh, different from the last time we played them. This is the first team we've played twice, right? I don't think we played anybody else. No, we played Bay Cities twice. So this Flower is the second. City twice. Have we already played Flower City twice? Yeah, I remember the loss. Oh, yeah, I forgot about you that. You put it out of your head, but I remember it. No, uh, so what I should say is this is the first time we've played a team twice at home. Um, I think that's right. Uh, so I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I I said that in bad. Okay, so then Kyle Newell was at right back. Kyle De Silva, former CFC player at right center back. Uh, Morian Moosey at left center back, a guy that Matthew and I both loved. Um, I don't think he's been great for Syracuse this this year. Uh, so far, but I really liked him at Maryland Bobcats, and I think he had a really good game, except for one very bad moment, uh, conceding a penalty to Marcus. And but I thought he was otherwise very good. And Sean Russell wearing the captain's armband, who I thought was maybe the standout player for them. Um, he was very, very, very good. Uh, and it, it without him, it could have been three nothing at halftime. Us pretty easily. Um, central defensive midfielder. Uh, they kind of played with Michael Kafari and Zach Reynolds mostly next to each other, I would argue, though you don't have them listed like this, so maybe you would argue. But they stay deep is my point. They stay deep a lot. Zach definitely did more running, but uh, I felt like they played very conservatively. Both of their uh, fullbacks stayed back. Both of their center backs obviously stayed um, back and did not venture forward at all. Their two defensive midfielders stayed back a, quite a bit. Not all the time, but quite a bit. Um and yeah, they, they just were very conservative and they kind of played, I felt like, and you're looking at me like you may not agree. I feel like they played in a way that was like, hey, we're going to beat you with some individual brilliance and or get a bounce or two to go our way, but we're going to reduce the chances of you guys beating us by getting us in transition. And we did not get them in transition much, um, as much as I would have liked, I would say. I would say they often had numbers back. Um, Alec McKinley started at uh, Cam, kind of at the 10. And he definitely did a bit of running box to box, but he was forward a lot. He was uh, doing a lot of pressing, not straight on the center backs, but pressing that first ball out from the center backs. Um, Minjay Kwok, who I love, 
was playing in the offset. He was your your winger. And then Juan Louis, which I would not have expected, was playing striker. And Caleb Jackson was playing striker. And Caleb Jackson was great all game, um, including getting a red card at the end and getting a three-game suspension. But he was great. He scored the goal and was was very good. I'll let you do the Chattanooga FC starters, and then you can argue. Actually, first you can argue with whatever I just said if you disagree. And then, uh, yeah, you can do the CFC starters. Yeah, so I think... Well, first off, I'm I'm right. Reynolds was a, was a center midfielder, not a uh, not a defensive midfielder, and that's important because of the off the way the offset gets played. Is he's kind of on an island as that right side at eight when the uh, when the the offset winger Minjay Kwok is on the left hand side. Uh, you do you do have a slight point that um, that he played. He was pretty deep a lot, and one of the reasons for that is because Foles did the defensive side of the offset, I think, differently than I've seen it done before. He sent Juan Louis and Caleb Jackson out wide. Usually one of those players goes out wide. Uh, one of the two forwards takes the takes whichever side they're on and defends that channel as, as that kind of like defensive winger on that side. Uh, what was different is he sent both strikers out wide and then Minjay Kwok, the, one of the wingers, or the winger in the offset position, was one of kind of the oftentimes you'll see a striker and then a, one of the, the like a 10 be the two guys in the middle of the field and he used McKinley and Minjay Kwok kind of next to each other but they were both set back and rarely put pressure on the ball uh, content to let to let CFC kind of make the first move kind of dictate the first thing and then Syracuse would react and adjust their defense accordingly and then in the offset that is a 4-3-3 and the four the first Bank of four, your defenders, plays like a normal bank of defenders. I mean, de- defenders can always play differently, but it's pretty standard. You're, they're three in the midfield, played kind of like a three in the midfield, um, but there's three in the front in an offset. Two of them play striker, and one plays a winger. So you just have one side of the field that has no winger. Uh, and in this case, like you're saying, it was a little bit different, but it's a tough, it creates an overload, a permanent overload on one side of the field. It also means you don't have the overload on the other side of the field. Um I'll point out briefly as well in the in the first half, especially uh, both both KJ and Juan Louis are the type of players like they're not neither of them are back to goal type players in normal circumstances. So both of them are, are willing to to kind of drop deep sometimes like a false nine or go find the play a little bit wide, and that opens up gaps for other players to run onto. Um, so like it it was very much. It's definitely one of those. Now, looking back now a few days later, it's one of those things that uh, Fools took something that he already knows, like the offset. He added an additional wrinkle to it. And I thought overall, it was a strong game plan and it gave us a lot of problems. So let's go into let's go into the Chattanooga lineup uh, because normally it's the same thing every time. But uh, on Saturday night, it was not. Starting in goal was Alec Reddington making his first appearance of the year. Yeah, shout out Alec. Uh, I thought he played. I thought he played great, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a second. Um, he's starting in goal because Kevin Gonzalez and a couple of other players were in a car accident uh, the weekend before, and uh, KG was not even in the the match day twenty man roster. So uh, shout out to KG. Hope you're uh, hope you're hope you're back soon. Uh, feeling better, um, but yeah, Reddington made a. I thought, I thought he played well, and so we'll get into it. He makes the starting goal. Uh, the back line was the same as the match against Michigan Stars. You had Tate Robertson at right back, 
Colin Stripling and Frankie Martinez were your center backs. And Greg Stratton was your left back. Still no Travis Ward in the 20. So you had Travis Ward also in street clothes. But I did see Kevin and uh, Travis um, both at the stadium. Uh, I did not see them personally like up close uh, until after the game. But both of them were there and walking around. And so their injuries, while serious enough to keep them out of the lineup, don't look to be so serious that they won't be back. Um, I don't. I didn't ask. Get to ask. Um, I'm. I know Kevin said he'd be back soon. I did not get to ask Travis, but he looked like he was walking around just fine. So knock on wood, those two are back and available for selection soon. Uh, the, the the midfield three and the front three are exactly as you would think they would be. Richard Dixon is the six. Ian Saro and Alex McGrath as the center midfielders. But Taylor Gray and Brett Jones as the two wingers. And then Marcus Michaelstad leading the line up top. Yeah, this is the lineup we're accustomed to with CFC, minus uh, Kevin Gonzalez with Alec Reddington in his place, and Greg Stratton making a second start in a row. Um, excuse me. Remember, Greg Stratton was, was the regular was the regular starter for as the well first three for games. the first yeah. season. Yeah, and so like I'm just saying, the last five or six, seven games, whatever it's been, it's been Travis Ward, but now it's back to Greg. Um, I think you that's one actually one of the positions where it's been the most variance in starters uh, all season. So, um, And I think both players have played very well, including in this game. Yeah. So let's uh, let's jump right into it. The way the the kind of format we've done here is uh, it's mostly chance based. So uh, a shot or or sometimes we'll mark a moment that did not result in a shot, but was something that was really uh, that was really in, in, interesting. And I would say influential on the game. And then there are a couple of times we'll make some notes uh, based on kind of at, at, at certain points based on like something we notice or something we feel or whatever. And I want to be, I want to be completely honest and upfront. Uh, we both re- went back and rewatched this game. I have only rewatched the first half. Uh, and at that, I actually skipped a few moments in the first half. So I've probably seen 38 to 40 minutes of the first half. Um, I skipped a I skipped. There's a big lull in the notes that I skipped. Um, and then I watched, I, I watched a little bit, probably 10 minutes or so of the second half. Um, but I don't, I, I was able to watch a bit of good bit of the game uh, live, so I wasn't. I, I drummed a bit in the second half or a good portion of the second half, so I feel a little bit better about my analysis um, for the second half. But yeah, this is not a game that you and I watched together, like we did one of the women's games. I wish we could have done that; it just wasn't convenient. Um, but yeah, having rewatched together would have been fun. But we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I've got I've got the whole I've got the whole game down, and I took some stat notes. You did an excellent uh, job because I. I noticed there was a discrepancy with my stats and the stats presented at halftime. And we all know me and think that I am always right. So let's get into it. Uh, By the way, I don't think you're always right. I'm always right. Five minutes into the match, uh, we opened up and it's Syracuse with the first big opportunity. Uh, I just a, just a simple throw in uh, by Sean Russell to Minjay Kwok, who uh, it's it's not even... It's not even, I mean, it's a great ball, but like, it's not even, I don't think intended as a great ball. Uh, he just plays the ball in behind. Uh, we're, we're pushed up a little bit too much, uh, uh, possibly. And Frankie Martinez chases onto it, uh, tries to, to, he's under pressure by one Louis for sure. And he, does, he just doesn't get enough on the back pass, it looks like. And Juan Louis shoots one-on-one. Good save by Reddington. He would come out to, to uh, close down the aim. Angle, uh, but he basically hits him in the chest uh, and goes right back to Juan Louis. He was able to dribble to his left, and uh, once he finally settles the ball, the angle gets a lot harder because Frankie Martinez is, is coming back 
to defend. Uh, and he just sends that ball into the Bud Light Plaza, maybe beyond out of the stadium entirely. That's a huge chance right off the bat. Uh, and I would argue a big mistake by by Frankie in that moment. Uh, not Just not getting enough on the back pass. And it leads to two shots. One of them saved. And I think arguably, not arguably, we're lucky to be we're lucky to be still zero zero at that moment in time. Yeah, that was uh, we came out flat, um, pretty clearly. Uh, we just I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if it's a time off, um, what it was. But we were not sharp, and this was a theme for the first most of the first half. And we kind of tightened it up a little in the second half. But for large portion, actually the last 10, 15 minutes of the first half, I thought we were pretty much sharper. But we just were flat the first thirty minutes of this game for the most part, and not that wasn't in every single moment, obviously. But overall, we were flat. Our touches were off. Our our balls were not to feet like they would. And we've been very crisp over this stretch of good performances. The the passes have been to the right, the correct foot. Um, everything's just been smooth, uh, and this was not. This was players were passing the ball to the wrong foot, so guys were taking longer to get it out, longer to play with it. That pass from Frankie is very uncharacteristic and. It's a basically a perfect assist that Alec Reddington makes a great save on, but it's almost a perfect assist to to Louise. So, um, yeah, we were we were flat, and I thought we were in trouble. And it, it was good that Alec came out and made that save. Um, and and listen, it's good that that Frankie didn't give up on the play and, and realize if Frankie doesn't realize close, his mistake and, and and goes and immediately closes down. Yes, to I, to get behind Reddington. To Frankie's credit, I do also think that Louise scores that goal because it bounces right back to him. And he gets it under control, and he's about to shoot. And Frankie's cutting off that angle, so he can't. Otherwise, he just taps it in. But instead, yeah. he has he, to shoot. He put, he put his entire foot behind it, trying he has to, to trying to beat a narrow angle. He has to, and like so, it's it's a it's a good recovery from both players, right? Alec Reddington does a good job. Frankie does a good job getting back. But it's one of those things that's uncharacteristic of us and uncharacteristic of Frankie to give up that chance. And yeah, it was. I, I thought we were just sloppy overall. There's another one that I don't know. We'll, we'll probably get there, but Tate passes it to. Um, Tate passes it back to Alec, and Alec has a player closing down on him, and he he clears it, but it's just barely. I mean, like there's a there's several nervy moments that are not, and it's not just like oh, it's Alec for KG, like it because that's Alec is involved in a save in one of these, and then put in a really bad position in the other, and it's like just not. We were just not in sync and not as sharp as we have been. Yeah, so let's go to the eighth minute here. Uh, chance for a chance for CFC. I wait. I, I kind of weighed for maybe several hours today, how I wanted to classify this chance. And I'm, I think I'm putting it down as, is not a big chance, but there's a, there's a bit of sloppy buildup play in the back uh, for us at, at in, in from, from our, our defenders and in, in build up. Uh, and we finally settle it down and, and we're not under any pressure really. Uh, and Frankie does a good job of, of picking out Brett Jones on the sideline. It's a long diagonal to Brett that the, the assistant referee judges that he kept in play uh, in, in live time. I actually thought he was out of bounds, but I'm in a ba- I'm in a bank bad angle for my spot in the stands. Uh, Jones heads it down to Robertson, takes the touch uh, towards the middle of the field. And then Tate Robertson plays a phenomenal through ball in behind to, uh, to Alex McGrath. Who's, who's making a run from deep as, as Alec, uh, Alex McGrath is known to do. And, uh, listen, the ball is just a, it's just a little bit too far for McGrath to really do something with it. Um, he gets a toe and, poke. And McGrath, and, and, yeah. And McGrath sees the keeper coming. So he just tries to like get a little something on it to kind of toe poke it past the keeper. And, and Macklin Robinson makes a good save for Syracuse. 
that save pops the ball out outside of the box to Niall Stad, who's immediately fouled uh, by Zach Reynolds. And uh, so free kick coming from a, a really a pretty good possession, maybe 23, 24 yards out, out from goal. And and the ensuing free kick by Nylstad there, since we'll just go straight into it, is blocked by the wall. Uh, and and the, the chance is cleared. I will I will put a, a note in here. First of all, Syracuse are enormous. Um, when you have Caio da Silva and uh, Morian Musi lining up next to each other, like it hits Morian in the face. But it is, they are so tall. It's like two six foot five guys or whatever. Um, so that was good for them blocking that. Uh, good for them that they're so tall. I mean, and the other piece here. Well, there's two other pieces. Uh, Syracuse were wasting time from the get go. Uh, right after this, um, like they were. Like taking a long time to take goal kicks. I mean, we're in the tenth minute and they're down one nothing and they're time wasting. I'm sorry, they're it's up still. Tied. No, I'm sorry, it's still tied, still tied. My bad, my bad. Um, they're still, t- which makes more sense. It's still tied and they're just kind of wasting time from the beginning and like maybe not wasting time, maybe too harsh, but playing slow and trying to be method, I guess, methodical or whatever else. But they took you know 30 seconds to take a goal kick around that time and that was just. I don't know. I, I think they came in with a better game plan, certainly, but they also didn't come in to win this. They came in to give themselves the best chance to not lose. Um, and I think this was kind of like we've seen in the past in the MPSL days. Like this was kind of their Super Bowl in a lot of ways. Like you know, you see teams come in and try to play their their most intense game here, where they want to beat you more than they want to beat anybody else. I think they really were they were up for it, and we smashed them last time. And this time we did not smash them. Um, and I think they were just they looked a lot lot better. Um, also, I will say that I think the Nagelstadt, this is a good chance for for Marcus, and it's a good it's also a good chance. It's one on one with the keeper, it's a toe poke, but it's still a good chance. Just smidge too far, so we can't do much else with it. But both of those are good chances and kind of add they're both in the same sequence. I'd kind of add them in together to count. You said you and I understand why you wouldn't count either one of these as a big chance, but I kinda in my opinion, I kinda add them together. Um as, as a big chance between the two of them because you kind of expect one of them um, just based on... The free kick's still a hard free kick to take, but it's right at the right distance. And the again, it's one-on-one with the keeper. Topo could have easily topoked through. Um, neither one is a, a big chance by itself, but I kind of add them together and I might give us credit for another big chance there. Or just give us credit for, I guess, two good chances in a row. But yeah, a little nitpicky on me, but if you're counting big chances, it's hard to... Uh, it's hard to not have those add up to a big chance, in my opinion. Yeah, and I, I think to your point about about Syracuse coming in, they definitely came in with a better game plan. They definitely they definitely were up for it. I actually think, I actually think one of the things that helped them is that they were more intentional and less less emotional with how they approached the game. They weren't flying into well, until minute. I don't, think, I, I don't I don't think. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, sure. I, but like they weren't flying into challenges and like being all over the place and, and losing their heads per se. Like it was a strong game plan. Uh, and listen, like we're a better team than they are. It's not uncommon for teams that are not, not as good as us to come into our, our home and try to take five extra seconds on a, on a goal kick, try to slow up the game a little bit. You know, your, your, your goal, your goal is to win every game, but your goal is also to come away with points that you don't necessarily, you shouldn't necessarily get going into the match. Um, and so, and so I understand it. And that's just one of the things where, listen, if if you've been a CFC fan for, for a bunch of, bunch of years now, especially in the amateur days, like, you know, this, how that's how this works. 
uh, and you just have to get on with it and play. Um, let's go. Let's go. We're going to skip forward a little bit to minute 18 to the next, the next real opportunity. Uh, we're starting from a corner kick. Um, there was some, there was some good, it was, it was well-earned corner, but I, that's not what I want to focus on. And uh, spoiler alert, this is the goal. It's the short corner, right side of the field. Ian Saro taps it to, to Alex McGrath. Uh, and we've seen this a bunch of times during the season. If if you if if the defense puts out two players, uh, essentially one on Ian Sierra, one Alex McGrath, uh, and they get out quickly, oftentimes we do not put the ball into the box. We just try to like you know recycle it a little bit and see and see what happens, how the defense moves, and see if there's a gap to be taken advantage of. McGrath plays it back to Richard Dixon, pretty far, and at this at this time, I'm thinking like, okay, well, chance is gone you know, ball's going to go back further and we'll just recycle and we'll go from there. And Richard Dixon plays a ball that is unbelievable. Uh, I'm not exactly sure who all thought this was coming or who expected it to come, but I'm pretty sure the only people that saw that pass coming were Richard himself and Alex McGrath, because McGrath's in the perfect position to receive it. And so basically, um, the it's it's a first time ball. It's a it's a first time line goes, like Alex, double line splitting ball. Alex kicks it into Ian. Ian kicks it to Richard. Alex is running back across the goal, but and towards the towards Richard and coming and coming back because he's got to get make sure yeah, he's, he's got he's got to get back on side. And the ball comes immediately straight through past five Syracuse players, four or five straight through to him, who's now one he's now deeper than everybody else and it's three versus the goalkeeper and he crosses it straight across to greg stratton who taps it in for a goal yeah i just un- unbelievable uh the pass the so like you know we t- we talk a lot about you know there's the goal there's the assist the pass before the pass here the hockey assist this is why i track hockey assists that pass richard's pass makes that goal uh and it was it was phenomenal uh and 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 honestly like Straight up, Richard, if you hear this, I don't expect you to make that pass very often. Like that's not something that you're traditionally known as uh, as a part of uh, as a part of your game, as a part of his game. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's so effective. It's because it's a little unexpected. And a massive, massive shout out to, to Richard. Um, and obviously great job by Alex. I thought Alex McGrath was great all night. Uh, and hey, shout out Greg Stratton, first professional goal. Welcome. I- and great, goal. and great run. Like it's everything, every part of that straight off the training ground. It's beautiful. It's perfect. And we were up. One I, and, and by the way, I don't think it's off the training ground. I don't think that's a design play. I think that's very much the guys picking up what, what Rod has really tried to instill in them. And it's just be creative. Look at the field, look at the moment, what's available to you. And can we all get on the same page and read it? And for that play, everyone had nailed it. And by the way, one little shout out here. Marcus Nagelstad, this will not show up in the stat sheet at all. Marcus Nagelstad intentionally puts himself on the corner side of the uh, uh, the furthest to the corner Syracuse defender that's like defending or like you know defending the uh, the, the corner, but in the box. Uh, so when the two players, when the two Syracuse players run towards the ball after McGrath passes it to Dixon, Zach Reynolds for for Syracuse is the pretty much the first, the closest player to the ball as it's coming into Alex McGrath. Marcus Nagelstad is on ball side of Reynolds. He screens him for a second. So Reynolds gets out late. 
gets out late to challenge McGrath. That's one of the reasons why McGrath has such an easy ball to, to pick out uh, to Greg Stratton. It's a great, it's a great team goal and not just for the three players that were involved in the actual, in the actual goal. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. 23rd minute handball shout for Chattanooga. Uh, there's a good period of play. We're actually looking better, a little more sharp. Uh, yep. And then Marcus kind of drops deeper, um, finds Stratton on the edge of the ball, the box, passes it to Jones, and then Jones hits it first time into the arm of Sean Russell. Um, you didn't think it was a penalty or, or didn't think it was a, a handball, therefore not a penalty. I'm not sure, but it's certainly not intentional. I just don't know if, if I think that he shouldn't have blown it. Either way, uh, he doesn't blow it. It's kind of a 50-50 play, certainly. And then uh, the the ball yeah, gets I, I loose think, and think... cleared out for a corner, and, and it was honestly very, very close to, to getting bounced in. I think that's when Kyle comes sliding in and, and knocks it out when it's kind of going goal-ish. Yes, um, yes, yes. Because, yes, yeah, Sarah makes that run in uh, to disrupt to disrupt Macklin Robinson when he's when he's going out for the ball. And Kyle has to, Kyle has to clear it to... Uh, Clear it into into and, touch for a and that's in minute twenty three and twenty four off and on. But it's um, yeah, it's it's a good little period of play from us, and it's two decent chances to get a shot on goal that we don't quite get. But we're actually looking better. We're looking more confident. We're looking less. You know, we're looking much more dominant at this point in the game as opposed to the first you know six or eight minutes where we we looked pretty terrible. This uh this little this little period after after the goal, I really thought we were going to get the second one and just like back break them right on the spot. And something that we and, we've repeated a lot. And that's something we've yeah. and that's something we've done before multiple yeah. times this season. Um and man, that would have that would have been nice. Um and just a, just a couple minutes later there's a good turnover uh, created by by some pressure that we're putting on. Um and uh, Sarah is able to get down and, and get free. Uh, that's actually on, on the corner kick itself or straight off of the corner. I'm sorry. Uh, you mentioned Ian Sarah. Uh, he's able to like wiggle kind of his way out. Um, just bad defending by a, by a, a player for Syracuse that is not a defender. And he crosses the ball. Um, he crosses the ball and, and Michael Robinson's able to kind of get it out of there. And then a two, couple minutes later, uh, we put some pressure on. Yeah, this was something I, I had added in the notes, which is probably why you're not recognizing it, the the press. So we we pressed them into just a really, really dumb turnover. Um, and we ended, we had like a seven on four. Um, and we should we should have got a, a shot off, but Sean Russell made a really good play to just kind of keep us uh, keep us out of it. We got a through ball to Brett with space, and then Sean just made a really good play. So there was actually, like I said, early to start this game, we could have or should, arguably should have, Take Sean Russell out, and you put a left back that isn't as good defensively, and you're we're up three nothing at halftime. Yeah, there's a bunch, there's a bunch going on, uh, but then all of a sudden, uh, Syracuse kind of like gets a little bit of light, a little spark of life. Uh, there's some decent possession for Syracuse um, that that they're they're playing through, and they're able to get uh, a ball in, I believe, from Alec McKinley, who's on the sideline at this point in time. Uh, ball comes into, into Caleb Jackson, who kind of just like flicks it with the outside of his foot and around Richard Dixon on, on Dixon's left hand side. Jackson spins around the right side of Dixon and goes to collect the ball. Really, really nice, skillful play. And then he just dribbles at the defense because you know Dixon, the six protecting the back lines out of out of the picture, dribbles straight at the defense, 
kind of crosses up Frankie Martinez a little bit. Frankie steps. Uh, Frankie gets caught and, gets caught stabbing and stepping and and gets beat um, pretty bad. And there. and Jackson's and Jackson's by, uh, but also really good goalkeeping by Alec Reddington. He comes out recognizes the danger, comes out a little bit, closes off the line, and saves Jackson's shot. Uh, that's a one on one chance. That's the second one on one chance that that Reddington's had to save in this match. Uh, and I classified this as a, as a big chance. Uh, because it was because it was like really solid one on one. Jackson probably wishes he could do better with that shot there, but it was with his right foot, not and, and he's he's a very left footed player. Yeah, it was their second one on one in a in the game, and the second uh, save from Reddington one on one, which is uh, not saying good things about the chances we're giving up at this point in the game. Thirtieth. Uh, 30th, which is just two minutes later, another uh, good chance for Syracuse. Quaker um, sees a pass on the left wing, dribbles at uh, Tate, and then cuts it in for his right. On his right, and has a curling shot, and this is probably my favorite Reddington save of the game. Um, I don't know. I don't know why this is. It's just I don't. know, It's really acrobatic. So he flies out because it's it's hit with some with some pace, right? It's hit pretty hard. He dives out to his left, saves it, and then gets up. Because when he saved it, it went up in the air. He jumps immediately up and over somebody and grabs it. So save, diving, on the ground, jumps back up over somebody, grabs the kind of the rebound and brings it back in. It was really nice he did, because that could have easily been spilled into a second um, attempt, which could have been a goal. But Alec was not having that. It was very Spider Monkey-like uh, to, yeah. to make that second that second recovery of that ball. Yeah, and, and honestly, it's some good attacking from Minjik Walk. He just creates a little bit of space, gets off the curler. It's in traffic, so... Um, really, really good save by Reddington to read it the whole way and, mm-hmm. and to make the save and to make the recovery. And that's where Quack's trying. That's where Quack's trying to be for the um, on the offset, right? Like, and that's why we had so much space with Jones on Russell all night um, or all the that whole first half. Like, we, Jones was getting out into space quite a bit with Sean Russell, but that's because Quack was pushed up so far up left. Um, and he's not. And, and let's be frank; he's not a great defender. So once once you get past there, you can you can add some space. Um, and, and I think there were a lot of those moments I we wish we could have taken advantage of. And, and in fact, we can go right into it in the 36th minute. Uh, Robertson's got the ball and in, in right from right back position. Robertson plays a great pass, uh, into, into Nyquistad, who's kind of, kind of in the right channel, uh, for a striker, uh, but definitely still between the center backs, uh, and, and nags where he plays this ball is right around the center circle, pretty close. And he plays a first-time ball in behind on, on the on-rushing Brett Jones, uh, a pass that we've seen several times. Uh, these guys, these, this, this triangle work uh, during the season. And Brett Jones just can't get past John Russell. Uh, I, it's arguable he had a little bit of space, and so it's arguable, I think, that he could have taken a shot and just gone, gone for goal and tried to beat Macklin Robinson either near post, far post, something. Uh, but Brett, is, Brett holds the ball up a little bit, takes a little time, which lets Russell into the picture because uh, he's trying to wait for some teammates. Because um, yeah, he's so far ahead of the of the play. With yeah, him. yeah, and and Ian Sears the I think Ian Sears is the only one in the box at that point in time, and uh, you know he tries to he tries to send it past. Um, he says tries to send it past Russell, and Russell's just not having it. Um, which, which, and this is a big turning point. You know, if 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 he takes a shot, and he some, and the ball gets through, and he scores, it's two nil. Because right after that, just a couple minutes after that, we go to the Syracuse goal. 
Yeah, so um, coming down, we get called for a questionable offside. I still don't know what happened. He called Brett Jones offside. Clearly didn't look offside to me. Brett was, you could tell, very upset. I remember being in the stands. Everyone was screaming at the referee. Like, I don't know what happened. But that isn't what causes us to this to happen. But it's a, it was a very, that, um, anyway, that refereeing crew is special. Uh, they are always good for some surprising calls. Um, but uh, Robinson plays the ball up. Dixon heads it, wins the header, but it comes right back to Zach Reynolds, who hits the ball up and over, uh, I think with his left foot, to Caleb Jackson, who is defended by Stripling, and he flips it to Juan Luis. Luis takes a couple touches, just buys himself a little bit of time, and it's a really simple one-two between Luis and Caleb Jackson. Like Luis takes two nice touches, plays it right back to Jackson, who's running through, um, and honestly, like, Stripling just kind of loses him here. Um, I think in, in yeah, there, there's a moment, there's a moment when Stripling's defending that, that he looks, the ball is like starting to get played and he recognizes that Jackson's making a run in behind and he kind of looks to his right uh, to find Jackson to, to see where he is. And as he's looking to his right, the the ball gets played to his left-hand side and he just can't, he just can't slide over in time to collect. And it's, a one, it's another one-on-one, and this time they finally break through. So the third one-on-one, uh, they finally get a goal. And he's just, it's a good its a good take, five holes, Reddington. But there's, you know, there's no fault in Reddington. You don't expect goalkeepers to save one-on-one. Uh, and, you know, he'd already saved two. So no, uh, no surprise they finally got one. And that was yeah. not, uh, not the listen, Colin, listen, Colin Stripling, I love you. Uh, you've been, I think, a great player this season. Not your, uh, probably not your best moment defensively. Uh, and it's one of those things I think that that's important here. This is a play that I think Colin usually makes. Uh, one of the things that he's really good at is reading the game in intercepting the ball, understanding where the ball is going to be before the ball is played uh, and is able to get there and intercept. And this is just one of those moments where uh that you know, I think he just got turned a little bit sideways and just couldn't couldn't react in time, and that's how that, that's how the chance chance occurred. Um, and and you know, if some of these if some of these chances coming from the right channel, you know, plan pan out, you know, it's not a this, this game isn't this game isn't that close, and that's sometimes how like that's just the soccering happens. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Sometimes you get soccered. And uh, I mean, Syracuse did not set up to win this game by playing better soccer than us. They set up to hopefully make less mistakes than us. And they had some good individual performances and that really kept them in it. And then good individual performances to score. That goal is a good one two. the one-on-one chance just right before that from Caleb Jackson is a great uh, individual play where he beats two very good players. And so, yeah, it was just some moments of individual brilliance. So the 41st minute, tiny chance for Syracuse. Um, good dribble from Kwok, who's now out on the right. He had drifted out there on the right, and he gets a shot in traffic, but it's a weak shot, and Reddington sees it the whole way, so it just kind of dribbles to him, and he picks it up. Um, and then the 43rd, chance for for Chattanooga. So good interplay. Um, McGrath and, and Jones. Uh, Jones gets in behind the defense, um, which is great. He gets a good touch on it and brings it down, and he's coming one basically one-on-one with the keeper. Um and he's going to uh, he's going to cross the ball, and he does cross the ball, and he tries to find Saro, and the ball gets intercepted. But I think Kyle Newell coming back might be. Um, yeah, I believe um, it's Newell in that moment. And and the bummer is Mark. I I think he either can't see or he, I don't know. I don't think he, he's looking back far enough because Marcus is at the penalty spot and like wide open. 
So if he, if he, he, and Sarah's like running right at the keeper, so it would have been a tap in, but there's a lot of players there. If he just crosses it back on the ground, the same way he crossed it back just a little bit further, uh, you know, five yards back further or whatever, Marcus is wide open. And uh, yeah, that becomes a really, really big chance as opposed to a, a cleared cross. But anyway, that is, uh, as you pointed out here, that's the type of cutback in the box that assistant Chris Nugent uh, preaches. He talks about, you know, that's, that's a really good chance. Uh, and that's the kind of chances you want to create. You want to create big chances, and that could have been a big chance, but it was kind of somewhere in the middle um, because it's, it's a one-on-one, but it's across across into five other players or whatever instead yeah, of an open player. Yeah, and and listen, this is a part of a this is a part of a really good period for us closing out the the first half after the Syracuse uh, goal. After we were the Syracuse much, goal, much, much better. Just, yeah, it's just the, we're all we're on it for a little bit. Uh, I mean, just a minute later, the 44, there's another chance where uh, there's no there's no shot here, but uh, Jones and Nagelstein combine again, and Nagelstein is able to play Jones in behind, and, and Jones can't find Saro uh, once again, again. It's the same same type of thing he's trying. He's not a quite lot of, open, but... This game this game had a lot of... Uh, had a lot of Ian Saro in the box, uh, like on the, on the goal hunt, Uh and, and a lot of a lot of Nagelstad, you know, also being in the box sometimes, but also helping him build up, uh, and and some other things. Uh, really, I mean, I, I thought it, I thought it was really good first half for me and Saro. Uh, there's another tiny chance for uh, for for us in the 45th minute. Uh, Nagelstad gets gets fouled, uh, and then you've seen this a lot of times happen. McGrath just taps the ball, or Saro might tap the ball for for the for the other. Uh, in this case, McGrath just kind of taps the ball to the left for Ian Serio. He hits it high and wide, and we're at halftime. Yep. So let's uh, let's go over your stats real quickly, since you have a bone to pick with the CFC stats. Uh, <laughs> uh, you also kept some of your own chances, your own uh, type of stats here. So let's go over them real quick. Yeah. So I've got you know, obviously Syracuse with one goal. I've got them for eight shots with five on target. Uh, I've got them classified for three big chances. Um, that's the one Louis one-on-one that's the it's three Gale Jackson one-on-one it's three one-on-one Jackson goal yes yeah, three it's three one-on-ones which is not uh, great that's not that's not a thing that we should be giving up yeah I've got I've got two big big mistakes down for Syracuse one of them you mentioned earlier that we didn't actually cover in the first half but it's a turnover that leads to a seven on four with no shot uh, those are the types of things that you you do that and you're you're asking you're asking for some danger and the other one, uh, I forget what the exact other big mistake was, but I, I listed I listed them at two. And sometimes it doesn't matter what the mistake actually is, but if you add up big mistakes in in games and see who makes the fewest mistakes, there's a big time soccer philosophy that says if you make fewer mistakes than your opponent, you are more likely to win games. And wow, that is, that is shocking analysis, Matthew. Shocking, incre- in- incredibly Jose Mourinho of me, and, um, and and I think that that becomes doubly true when your team is just frankly not as good. Your players are just not as good. You have to make sure you make fewer mistakes. And and Syracuse is uh, Syracuse came in knowing they were not as good as us. Yeah, so, so sorry, was, Syracuse, but it's just the truth, and I, I don't think there's a problem admitting that. For for Chattanooga, we're looking at one goal on five shots with three shots on goal, and 
uh, only only one big chance. Uh, I went back and forth on the Alex McGrath one, but I'm just not. I'm just not going to. I'm, I'm just not going to uh, classify it as a big chance because it's a it's kind of that lunging toe poke. I think if if the ball and listen, Tate, the ball's incredible. Let's not kid ourselves here. Uh, but if the ball's a little bit a little bit closer to to McGrath uh, and he gets a, a better opportunity to take a shot, I think I upgrade that to a big chance. Uh, and then I've got us down for four big mistakes. Uh, obviously, the goal is a mistake. Uh, the Frankie Martinez back pass was a mistake. And then there were a couple of other turnovers that didn't lead to anything where um, kind of like how kind of like how one of those one of those Syracuse turnovers is a mistake that leads to a seven on four. You know, there were a couple of turnovers that we had in possession that just were in really bad parts of the field. And uh, I think we've been I think we've been overwhelmingly pretty good at not making those type of mistakes throughout much of the course of the season. I think Valley United uh, accepted uh, that game. We, we made some, some really bad turnovers in the defensive third uh, with the ball that led to some big Valley chances that they couldn't, they couldn't take advantage of. Uh, but for, for us, you know, I, it was, this had a, like, I don't know about you, but the first half for me uh, on the rewatch, maybe less so live, but on the rewatch, had a bit of like helter skelter kind of action going on, you know, like some couple of big chances, kind of a lot of chances. I and mean, that's a lot of shots on goal for, for a half, especially involving us. And, and I wonder, I wonder if that led uh, in part to why the second half was so boring. Cause I think both coaches decided to lock things down a little bit. Yeah. So I think we were just not very sharp in the first half overall. And we had some good moments, but we just weren't very sharp overall. Even though we probably had, um, we were decent for parts of it. We were just in big moments. We we lacked whatever, and we we let those big chances happen. So, I mean, I think if you just look at the big mistakes versus um, big chances for them, like, it's not great. So, it's coming in the second half, and the second half, I think, is going to go a lot quicker. Um, we have a halftime substitution, which is not very common for Rod. So, he brought in uh, Alex Jaimes for Brett Jones. Um, and he, Alex played out on the wing and that might've been the most exciting thing of the second half until about the 80th minute. Yeah. You've got, I mean, I, I, if you could look at our notes right now, you would see that literally the next marking of anything happening of any consequence is 63rd minute comes off of a Syracuse throw in, uh, kind of gets knocked down and around and it just kind of falls in the box and Kyle Newell takes maybe three or four steps. It's not like right to, I mean, he makes a run for it. Uh, and, and Newell just skies a shot. And it's um, not, it's not really a big chance. It's a big chance if there's less players around or if it's an easier, yeah. but it's, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's not actually that different from the Marcus chance that Marcus scored against LA force where, you know, you're running onto one and you, you know, he just made a terrible shot as opposed to Marcus's very good shot to put it in the goal. Yeah. And th- there's just a lot of, yeah, there takes a couple I steps and hits it there are a lot more players back in the box. Uh, yeah. So like there, there's, there's some traffic. It's a, probably a tough angle. And, uh, and I think you can tell sometimes players will hit the ball a little bit easier because they're placing when they've got a, a bigger target and they just try to smash the ball when it's, when it's in traffic and a little bit crowded trying to get it through. Uh, but that's really the first chance uh, of the second half. And man, that goes in like that's game on its game turned on its head. Uh, and but it doesn't, and and you know, just minutes later, Rod makes the substitution. He brings on 
Luke Ferreira for Ian Cero, uh, and plays Luke in a position we've not seen him play before, which is that uh, kind of that that ten slash eight center midfield position. Uh, just kind of straight swap. And I was a little surprised in this moment. I thought when I saw that Luke was coming in, I just kind of assumed, all right, Luke's going to go out to the right wing. We'll move uh, Ale uh, Hymas into center midfield because oftentimes Ale is the sub for Ian Cero. And it didn't happen. Uh, that was very weird. Same. I would have bet you a lot of money when he was coming in. That's exactly what was happening. <clears throat> so we moved to, uh, that was in the 66th minute. We moved to the 73rd minute. Uh, this is really the the first uh, the first chance for Chattanooga. Now that I actually think about it, there was a there was a chance. There was a long ball by Colin Stripling over the top to Ale. Just a few minutes after he subbed on the second half, Ale hits it out for a corner. We don't do anything with the corner, and I didn't even think about marking it down as a chance because there really wasn't one. Uh, and and I, honestly, like when that when that moment occurred, I thought I was like, okay, like we're gonna have a lot, you know, continuing. Like we'll have a lot more space in the second half in that right channel. It turned out that was not the case at all. And all right, 73rd minute. Uh, my notes say most of the second half has been incredibly sleepy, which facts. A lot of CFC possession, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Rare penetration. And uh, this is where this is where it's sometimes really nice to have good players uh, and, and players that um, just decide that it's time. To do something, and this is one of those moments we we've gotten the ball into the Syracuse half. Uh, McGrath picks the ball up near the midfield line and just makes a run. Just makes a run. He sees a little bit of space, and, and this is the thing we talked about Alex McGrath when he's signing for the club that he's the kind of player that can pick up a ball and and look at the field and say, "I've got 20 yards in this run before I'm gonna have to pass it," or "I've got you know 10 yards," or "I've got 30 yards." And he makes a 30-yard run with the ball, uh, gets fouled by Mike Kafari, maybe 25 yards away from, from goal. And it sets up uh, and, and it sets up a, a free kick opportunity for Marcus Nicholstead, uh, who just hits the ball uh just into the top of the of the net. Uh not not terribly far away, but not especially close either. Uh if if that shot comes from like 30 yards away, that might be a goal. Yeah, it's close, man. It just, it looked just so teasing and so tantalizing. <clears throat> I really thought he was going to score that. Bless you. Um, but just right over. And yeah, just doesn't quite work. Uh, 78th minute. Here's here's where it all happens. Penalty. Penalty. So uh, we're getting some possession. We're actually getting some penetration uh, in this moment. We're actually we're not just dribble. We're not just dribbling around and passing it around. We're actually getting forward, and um, the ball gets recycled a couple times, and eventually it's a really, 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 really nice pass from Frankie Martinez through the lines to Ale. Ale picks it up and passes. I believe, I believe it's Colin Stripling. Maybe the pat. Maybe it's. I just watched this. Well, it it might have been Colin Stripling. There is a there was the, earlier in earlier in the play. There's a there's a pass from Stripling into into Ale, and it comes it comes coming back to Stripling. But I I thought Stripling was the one that made that pass into Ale for the for the actual penalty chance. Pretty sure it's Frankie. Um, I can't believe I actually wrote, I didn't write that down. 
That's the thing. It's a really good. So in the, in that sequence though, there's several like penetrative passes in from the center backs because what what the thing Syracuse was doing that we said earlier is that Syracuse was not putting pressure on the center backs. So the center backs are they're putting pressure on the first line if it goes to the midfielders, but if the center or the outside backs, but if the center backs have it, they're not pressuring. And this was one where the center backs were pushing it in, and so the the ball is pushed in from one of the center backs earlier on in the same sequence, and then from the other center back is pushed straight in as well. And this ball gets to Ale. Ale's uh, just puts a nice, simple little pass um, that Marcus is going to run onto, and he is not able to run onto because Morian Musi just shoulders him over. And while I, I understand from a like a Syracuse point of view that like Morian's got to be like that was shoulder to shoulder, but it, it can be shoulder to shoulder, and that's fine. But if you absolutely annihilate a guy, uh, he's you know Morian's a big he's a big boy. Like he absolutely just runs over Marcus, and Marcus has no chance to make a play on the ball. And it's a clear penalty, and the referee awards the penalty, and Syracuse has a little arguing, and you know Kafari's all incensed, and they, you know, I wish that the stream would have shown, been zoomed out a little bit further, so I could see what's happening on the rest of the field, because I, I want to know if CFC did a little um, distraction where somebody else pretended to take the ball, but I couldn't see because it was it was zoomed in. But anyway, a lot of stuff happens, this, that, and the other, and um, people are arguing, and then eventually, you know, the referee's just standing at the spot, being like, "Nope, it's a penalty," and Marcus steps up. And Marcus told us something interesting, and I won't share all of it because um, I don't know how much of it you want to share. But basically, he said like he knew which way he normally kicks it, and how how many place how many he places on either side or whichever. So um, he d- did some calculus, and he changed up his routine a little bit. And uh, if you saw, he took a stutter, a big stutter on that one, as opposed to running straight up, and absolutely sent him the wrong way. And even if he goes the right way, which he kind of stutters like he's going to go the r- correct way. I don't think he gets that because on rewatch, that ball is against the inside of the post, essentially. I mean, it's just perfectly placed, and it's 2-1 CFC, and I'm feeling much, much better at this point uh, because I didn't think, based on that, se- on that second half uh, performance up until now, anyone was going to score. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. I, I think, you know, watching live, I thought, number one, that the ball was a lot further away from Marcus than it was. I did, too. I thought it was soft And live. number two, that it, that it was very, very soft. I thought it was soft live. It was not, but I thought it was soft live. And, and yeah, it's it's a stone-cold penalty. And um, and I, I'm, I'd marked down that's a big mistake from Morian Musi, giving that away. Now, can Marcus do some things with that? Can he take a touch or a dribble and, and then make a pass? Or can he pass first time? Yeah, he's got some options. But he doesn't have to make that challenge. You can't, you can't make that challenge there. You're just asking the referee to... to to call a penalty, it's very it's very similar to the first um, the first Syracuse game and the Kyle De Silva penalty. Like it's it's a challenge you need to not make that way, and like it's a bad challenge. And it, from a otherwise like pretty good game, and it's like the same for Kyle in that first game. He made a one bad challenge and had a good game. But you know if you if your one bad challenge leads to a penalty, like that's kind of negates your good performance in a lot of ways. So yeah. So CFC makes a substitution um, as kind of in after the celebration is over for for scoring. Roddy Green comes on for Taylor Gray, which is I think was actually a really good substitution. Partly it's in in part to manage the game a little bit, part to get some fresh legs up there. Also, Taylor Gray had committed a couple fouls in the uh, in the preceding maybe ten minutes or so, and I think he was pretty close to like one more foul, and he was probably getting a yellow card, which I believe would have suspended him. Yeah, for the next match. I thought Taylor was um, uncharacteristically um, upset, maybe. I don't know. He just, he, he was not, he did not have the kind of game that we've seen him have for the last, like, 10 games, right? Like, all season, he's been very involved in build-up 
very involved in a lot of things. And I just felt like he wasn't very involved um, for most of the game. And yeah, he was kind of lashing out in a way that like little foul here, little foul there. And not all of them were fair calls, I felt like. But it was one of those where you see the buildup happen and then somebody gets a yellow card. And so I was, I thought it was a really good substitution. And Roddy was such a calming presence when he, once he came in. Um, just did all the right things. Like it was kind of like a target forward on the outside, so you could kick the ball up to him. He could waste time. He could hold the ball up. He could recycle it. And also, he was he was never he was always pressuring and pressing, but never on the wrong side of the ball. So he wasn't getting beat. So he was pressing and like he was always back and still defending at the same time. It was it was really nice. And I felt as soon as he came in and as soon as he started playing, like I just felt better. I was like, ah, we have you know I don't know that left wing just went from being a little bit of chaos to. Um, a little bit with, with whatever was going on with Taylor to being uh, just really calm. Yeah. I, I think early on there's, there's a chance for Syracuse in the 83rd minute here. And I think Luke and, and Roddy are on, are on the same page. Uh, Cause there's an attacking, there's an attacking opportunity on there and neither like goes for the ball or like maybe they think the other, you know, each other is going to, going to take the ball and run with it. And Syracuse is able to take the ball and it presents, it's a good opportunity on the cat on the counter. Uh, one we plays in a nice through ball to Caleb Jackson, uh, and Tate Robertson does a great job here of, of deflecting that shot. And it ball a goes very out for a corner. Block. Very good block. Ball goes out for a corner, and and nothing nothing's coming of it. Uh, but it was it was a big moment. Uh, there's a little tactical note here after uh, after Ali Hymas goes off to get looked up by the trainer. He got he got kind of run over by by Sean Russell. Uh, who brightly receives a yellow card for it? Uh, in the, when 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 Ale comes off, they make they make the move to send Luke Ferreira to to the uh, to the right wing, and Ale comes back on in the mid, in midfield uh, when he comes back onto the field. In um, the ninetieth ninetieth minute, there's a substitution for CFC. Um, Nick Spielman comes on for Marcus Nagelstad. Target striker, he, baby. He's a target striker. A target ten, uh, which is which is always which is always fun, uh, and I'm I'm a big fan of, of throwing on a target player late to uh, to try to give a give something to aim at to hold the ball up and to to take some time, and uh, yeah, at the end of the match, there's a little argy bargy, uh, and I'm not I'm still not sure exactly what kicked it off entirely, uh, but we do know that uh, we do know that Caleb Jackson for Syracuse got a red card. Uh, it looked like he and he and Frankie Martinez had been talking most of the match to each other. And uh, Luke Ferreira also gets a red card for, for his troubles, uh, mostly for running about 30 yards. And, and I really, nothing was going on in this moment. There wasn't a lot, a little bit of pushing maybe, but like nothing crazy. And Luke runs from way far away and just, I, I rewatched it. I think things were kicking back off a little bit. I'm not defending Luke. I mean, it's, it's, it's dumb, but like he sees a player that's come off their bench and then is in the, in the middle of the fracas. And that's who he comes in and pushes. Um, and several of the players did afterwards say like, you know, cause I kept asking like, what happened? What happened? And no one had a clear, like, like, I don't think it would really <laughs> but they did say like Luke shoved the guy that was off the bench. Um, and like, I guess he felt like that guy shouldn't have been off the bench. Um, either way, like, look, it's not good, right? Um, I don't know what was going on, but Frankie was fired the fuck. Frank, up. Frankie was hot. Uh, Frankie was. I watched. I watched him and Alex McGrath like 
kind of go now this could have been like a half celebration right it could have been but like it looked like Alex was telling him calm down like let's get out of here and Frankie was like fuck you or he could have been saying like we fucking won it, it's not clear but like he is clearly fired up he is pumping his arms in front of multiple Syracuse players he is pumping his arms in front of Caleb and Caleb trying to get to him like he was and then he's, he's pounding his chest and like and showing the the crest and like uh, at one point I think he kisses the crest and then he also kisses his arm and he's like this is our house like he was fired the fuck up and he wasn't looking to fight anybody like he was not swinging he was not pushing necessarily for most of this thing but he was just I mean he was on like on fucking on when everyone else is kind of calmed down like Rod's trying to get him to calm down a little bit I think Tate's trying to drag him away or something and he is not having any of it. He is just, and maybe he was saying, maybe he's saying to them in those moments, like, I'm fine, we're good. And then like, you know, just like sell it. But it was, dude, he was hot, man. I don't know what happened. What, what he, I'm guessing there was a lot of shit talk during the game. Um, and I, and that something Caleb did put him over the top because it was bad. Uh, it was not good. And then Sean Russell came flying in, but also Richard Dixon kind of little brothered him and took him, <laughs> took him to the side. Um, it was interesting to see, um, you know, a lot of those guys who have been on the same team kind of in there scrapping a little bit, but no, no, that I saw no punches were thrown, um, which was good. Was just a little bit of a uh, little fisticuffs and, and nothing else. So I was glad to see that. I, you know, I don't love the, uh, suspension for, for, uh, Luke Ferrer, excuse me. It's not very good, but, uh, in the end, Oh, I saw, I saw Roddy lead Kafari out. Like it was like, everybody's like, who's been on teams with everybody else, like calming everybody down. It was very interesting. Um, like it wasn't so much Syracuse players calming down Syracuse players and CFC players calming down CFC players. It was like CFC players calming down Syracuse players and Syracuse players to calming down a little bit. Like, like CFC players. It was like a very weird mix, but, uh, thank goodness there was not more damage from that. Um, look, Ferrer shouldn't get three games on his birthday for uh, get a red card, but also like a part of me understands why, you know, he came, you know, defending his teammates. It's not great, but it's also like, I don't know. So it's an odd situation. Yeah. Not, not particularly wild about it, but, uh, we'll have to take the He'll have to take the suspension and move on. And look, it's a um, lot worse. It's a lot worse for Syracuse because Syracuse is losing their best forward for three games. Only, the only player that scored in the last like since April. And we're yeah, basically. And we or is that really? Is that truth? The only player. That yeah, it's, it's probably it's probably just May, but you know. Yeah, and then we're losing our backup striker, which is not good. Um, but it is not like there. At least it's it's a backup for a for a starter for them, uh, for ver- us versus them. So I'll take that. Um, yeah, and by the way, these two teams play in, you know, a few weeks. Yeah, I think I think they're going to be missing Caleb next time we play him, and I can't say I'm sorry. Um, uh, right, I, believe, I believe they are as well. Let's go over some final stats here and then uh, get out of here. Yeah, so CFC with two goals to, to Syracuse's one. Uh, Syracuse led the shot count with uh, 10 to 7, and they led the shots on goal count 5 to 4. By one, by one. Yeah, shots I, on I realize goal, that. Shots on goal are what count. In this, like I, I, I don't care about them having ten shots. They did have the thing is they they lead as you're. I'm sure you're about to get to the big chances, um, mm-hmm. three to two, and that's a problem. I I would argue maybe it's kind of three three, but like it, either way, it should not be three three. Definitely shouldn't be three two for them leading the big chances, uh, and we lead the bad uh, column here of big mistakes six to three. So we have we are losing that battle. We have six big mistakes. And they have three big mistakes. They came out and executed their game plan better than we did. And we got the win. And I'll tell you what, that feels extra good because it was a lot of times last last year where it felt like we were the better team. Um or we were the we either got absolutely run over and lost. And that sucked. 
or we were like the better team and still lost. Like it just felt like we just lost all the time. Um, and to be worse in some ways and still be able to get those results, that's what good teams do. Good teams get results. And it came down to moments of individual brilliance from both teams in this game. Uh, individual mm-hmm. brilliance from Caleb Jackson uh, and Alec Reddington on the on the two opposite ends, right? Alec stops two big chances that could have been goals. Uh, and then Caleb converts one of theirs and creates a couple more. And then Marcus creates a really big chance and and scores it. And you combine those things, and it's it's not really that our team performance was as good as it should have been, but our individual performances got things done, and that's why we won this game. Yeah, the CFC a couple days ago put out some stats from the match. Uh, 64% possession to Syracuse 36 with 89% passing accuracy compared to 79% packing, passing, passing accuracy. And I think it's it's a good it's it, it, number one. Neither of those things are surprising, uh, and it's a good look at you know kind of how uh, it tracks with how we watch the game, both live and in person. Yes, we had more of the ball, obviously. Uh, our passing, if you tracked our our passing range, uh, like the average the average length of each pass, it's going to be shorter. Uh, so no surprise that our passing accuracy is higher, um, you, you know, and, and obviously there's, there's a big emphasis now that we've talked, we've talked about in our tactical previews uh, at the beginning of the season, there's a bigger emphasis now on keeping the ball um, versus, versus, you know, a little bit more, uh, a little bit more direct play from, from the previous couple seasons. And, and I think that that, that stat shows that 100%, but you also look at, you also look at the big chances and the shots on goal, and it's fairly freaking even, uh, which is really just to say different teams play differently. And, you know, also I want to, I want, I want to point soccer, out soccer is a weird game. Yeah. To piggyback on exactly what you're saying. When you, we start, we started the season talking about how Rod uses Rod teams. I should say teams that play for Rod Underwood use possession as a defensive metric, like as a defensive um, not metrics wrong word, defensive tactic. Like they hold the ball, and we've seen that this year. We if the other team can't get the ball, they're gonna really struggle to score. If you can't ever get your foot on the ball, you're gonna have a trouble scoring. And in this game, we saw a bunch of uncharacteristic errors. A lot of them, some of them in defense, and some of them in possession. And the possession as a defensive tactic just didn't work this game. We were not as sharp as we normally are, in my opinion. And we had some bad moments in possession that caused some some turnovers. And then we had some bad defending that also caused whatever. But luckily, those were uncharacteristic. And I, mm-hmm. I'm, they don't make me worried for the rest of the season. Um, they irritate me for this one game. But the, we're going to have ups and downs. And the the run of productive results continues, um, wins or draws. And We're up to eight now, I think. I believe that's right. So it was It was five wins in a row, if I recall. And then two draws and then a win. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And so like that feels that's still good. Um the win is the only thing that counts here, but I think one of the reasons you and I wanted to dive into this game is it wasn't as it wasn't as clear of a dominating performance as it was the last time we played Syracuse at home. And I think while it doesn't signal problems for the future, it does it is interesting to see how things kind of went, how things went a little differently, what Syracuse was able to do to kind of nullify us a little bit and also what we were able to do to just get the job done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I can't. I can't agree more with that. And uh, we've done something today on on this particular podcast, kind of with with a deep dive review of a match that we don't 
hardly ever do on this podcast intentionally. And that was, you know, call players by name with specific moments, both bad and good. And I would say we do it with good. We don't usually do it with bad. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Absolutely true. Um, and I, and I want to point out that for, for our listeners, all like four of you that, you know, players are humans. They make mistakes. Sometimes we make mistakes in our, in our regular, the regular course of our jobs and all the time uh, on this podcast well. and all the time, on this, all the time on this podcast, which thankfully we're not getting paid for, uh, cause we wouldn't deserve the money. Definitely not. <laughs> but like, you know, it's a long season players sometimes, uh, play great. Sometimes players don't play as great. Sometimes players. And, and I think this is true for this game. Uh, you mentioned not being sharp enough, not being, not being, you know, clinical enough and, and making some big mistakes in some certain moments. I think this game is less about like not being good and more about being inconsistent. Uh, the same players that maybe, you know, uh, didn't pick up their head or didn't notice the player that they passed the ball straight to for the other team. The same players in this game also made incredibly nice line breaking passes that set up big opportunities on, on the offensive side of the ball. And I think, I think this game is more about some inconsistencies uh, for some player performances and not necessarily like, Oh, these guys were bad. If that makes sense. Uh, And, and I think, that's usually that's usually a decision making process uh, for me at least. I think that's the mental side of the game, and uh, it's been it's been a weird stretch. We had that big California trip uh, with with three games in eight days. You know, winning in Bay Cities, drawing up in, in Los Angeles, coming coming home after being in California for for a week, and drawing Michigan Stars, and then you had the the layoff with with no game. Uh, Oh, I'm sorry. That was, was that, yeah. So you have a week uh, in between matches uh, and then you get this one. And now the guys have an opportunity. They don't play on, on Saturday. Uh, so they'll, they'll get kind of a week, a weekend off there. And it's a good opportunity to reset. You will have the uh, away game to flower city union on Saturday, the 16th. We'll have the makeup, the snow makeup game in Syracuse on Wednesday, August the 20th. I'm sorry, July the 20th. And that game's, by the way, at 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock on a Wednesday. I so, look forward to being the only person there. Uh, also, pretty great, though, because Wait, August there's 20, a flight. August 20 or September 20? So, uh, the July 20. July 16 is, is at Flower City. That's our next men's match. July 20. It's a Wednesday at, okay, at no, Syracuse. I won't be there. I won't be there. And then uh, and then they come back. They fly back that night after the match and we'll play in the Independent Cup game against somebody that I'll worry about later uh, on on uh, July 23rd, which, by the way, I think, I think, I don't know this for certain, but I saw some social media uh, and it looked like a couple of guys wearing some elf and Santa costume stuff. And I wouldn't be surprised if that Independent Cup match is not our Christmas in July game. Hey, it works for me. Uh, I want to point out uh, one little piece of it. I agree with all of that. One little piece of analysis. In the last time we played Syracuse, we were very, very brave. Like we were receiving the ball. The first ball would be played out and the second person would turn and the on-rushing defender would be coming and one of the wide forwards, either Brett or Taylor, would be breaking the lines and we would play the ball between the right back and the center back or the left back and the left center back. 
And we got this verticality between the lines four or five times last game. We had it zero times in this game. Now we had some, we had some of this, uh, some one on ones, and we had the, we got the ball over the top and whatever else. But Syracuse was able to nullify our ability, I think, based on where they started the pressure. And I don't think we were as brave. They were they were a step quicker, and we were not as brave with it. Um, that is something that we didn't see at all in this game, and we saw less last game during our run of five wins. We saw that a lot, where we were turning. We were getting the ball in the midfield and turning and with an on-rushing defender playing it between the lines and getting that verticality, I'd say at least three to five times a game where you were just feeding these balls in between the defenders to an on-rushing attacker. We're not getting that currently, or at least we didn't last game and the game before we got it much less. And I hope that's not teams adjusting to us. I hope that's just us being a little less sharp. And I hope that comes back because I thought that was a really, really big piece of why we were so dominant in that five-game stretch. And hopefully that will come back. Yeah, if you, I, I agree with that 100%. I think when you look at this first Syracuse game, and when you look at the base cities game that was at home, and and the one away for that matter, uh, those those games there was a lot more pressure, uh, and so we were able to play. And if you were able to beat your man, like spin, receive the ball and beat your man and spin, you could play forward fairly easily. Unlike I think in the, um, unlike in the Michigan Stars in the in the most recent Syracuse game where they had a lot more numbers behind the ball, made it a lot harder to pass between lines and gaps, especially in the middle of the field. That's a good point. I agree. So anyway, uh, I think that's all I got for this one. Matthew, you got anything left? I've got nothing for this one. Uh, the The next two matches, uh, we've played 11 matches so far in the league. We're sitting on, uh, what is it, 24 points, I believe. Um uh, we're seven, something like seven points clear. Yeah, 24 points, seven points clear of Michigan Stars uh, who are at, on 17. And uh, with this with this New York road trip, that will be 13 matches played. And that will take us to exactly halfway in the, in the NISA calendar for 2022. So uh, be expecting at some point in time, it may not be exactly at, at half the halfway mark, uh, but be expecting at some point in time, we're going to sit down and do a kind of mid-season wrap-up pod and and, and going to go over where we are, uh, where, where we've been, and what will be coming in the fall portion of the season. And uh, if, you're, if you're hearing this uh, sometime this weekend, uh, be expecting a women's pod, uh, kind of a women's season review pod also coming down the pike fairly soon. Breezy? Yep. Let's uh, also, if you have not made your Pride Razor uh, pledge, the pledges, yes. uh, the pledges are done, uh, obviously, but you could, you could still log in and make a pledge, but the goals are all done and the pledges, everything's been sent out. And so if you want to make a donation uh, outside of that, you are certainly welcome to. However, if you haven't checked your email and you made a pledge, you have an email telling you how many um, goals were scored and what you owe, Obviously, you still can adjust your pledge if you have to. Um, obviously, if, if you thought we were going to score five and you pledged a certain amount and we scored 10, um, Pride Razor is not meant to bankrupt anybody. However, you can also do the opposite. If you thought we were going to score 20 and we only scored 10, you can up your pledge. So ma make those pledges uh, count. Make those donations. Let's follow through. Let's get Spectrum some money to get them uh, operating at an even higher level this next year and so they can continue the good work they've done. Um, so yeah, check your emails and make your pledge or make your payment finish your pledge make your payment you know what i'm trying to say pay, pay your bill pay your bill all right see you everybody
turn my mic up. 